Hello, everybody. This is Jordan Marr, and this is the Organic BC Podcast. The intro to this episode will be a little bit different than the others. I want to keep it super short. We're in the midst of rebroadcasting all of the episodes we produced for the 2021 BC Organic Conference, including this one, which is a tribute to someone who made many great contributions to the organic industry in Canada. I think I'll leave it at that. I hope you enjoy this tribute to Linda Edwards. Hey everyone, it's Jordan, your conference MC. In November of 2020, we lost someone who made many meaningful contributions to the organic farming movement in British Columbia and Canada, and who played a very important role in the reduction of pesticide use on countless acres of tree fruit in BC and beyond. I'm talking about Linda Edwards, who died suddenly at the age of 77, the day after she contributed to an episode in this podcast series. Linda was many things, a farmer, an entomologist, a teacher, a writer. She is a past president of the Certified Organic Associations of BC and a recipient of its Brad Reed Award for her contributions to BC's organic sector. And for years, she contributed to the development and evolution of Canada's organic standards. In this episode, we remember Linda Edwards. I asked a few people who knew Linda well to talk about her, how they came to know her, her expertise and contributions, and some favorite memories. To start, though, you'll hear a short conversation with Linda's husband, Brian Mennell. After that, you'll hear the voices of Tamara Richardson, Dag Falk, Patty Doherty, and Bob McCubrey. All of them knew and worked with Linda at different points in her career. I think that's all I want to say. I hope this helps some of you remember Linda and others to get to know her for the first time. Brian Mennell, hello. Hello. Brian, I'm, I'm really... I'm really sorry for, for the loss you suffered and the loss of Linda, your wife, um, in late 2020. Uh, I, that, that must have been and must still be really difficult. Uh, it was and it wasn't because Linda had been fighting different problems with her body for probably about 10 to 15 years and she overcame them all and, and, uh, and she was getting to a point where her Parkinson's was taking more hold of her than she was happy about, and therefore, uh, for something totally different to spring up and terminate her life within 12 hours was, in some ways, it was the way she would have wanted to go. So, I I think I was relieved, and 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 I think she would have been relieved that it happened that way. Brian, you know, since Linda's death, you know, a lot of us have been talking about her and it, it, it has become so apparent to me that, that um, how, how appreciated she was uh, in, in the organic farming community and in the orcharding community. But I also know that, that, that no one knew her better than you. And I'm, I, I would be really curious to know what you have to say about what you think Linda's major contributions were or, or what, what is her legacy as you see it. I, I think she was, is, she was, and and uh, she continued to be worried about that the voice of the farmer was not being heard in the structure of the bureaucratic structure of organic agriculture, and I think she probably went beyond her years because she could never find anybody that would fill her footsteps and um, be that voice because most of the organizations, both at the federal level and even a lot at the provincial level, are people that are not farmers. They are people that are tied to the industry and have heart and intention of of the interests of the industry, but 
the the voice of the true farmer, the person that's on in the fields and and doing the work. Um, most of them were are too busy to be able to spend the time. And and for the last fifteen years, she'd been retired, and and she felt it was her mandate to make sure that voice was being heard and make sure that the regulations and ingredients and and um, regulated substances were properly looked after and and uh, and you have to be in the in the, in the field to be appreciate how important that is and and um, it, it, she goes back she would go back to an example when she, she was ill with one of her back in 2005 she was out of commission for a couple of years and and for the tree fruit organization, there were a number of chemicals that, that we use historically and were valid organic chemicals. But the structure said, oh, well, nobody really knew why they were used and how they were used. And, and they just disappeared. And so she spent the next five years getting them back. And, and um, that's what she was always worried about, that, that, that um, the voice of the farmer had to be heard so you're 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 clearly talking about all the work she did on you know like technical committees that that determine the evolution of the the uh the canadian organic standards yeah brian i'd love to just briefly talk about linda as as an entomologist and 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 a farmer um you know what what made her good at those things or or what were her special contributions I, I think, especially for the tree fruit organization, she, whenever there was a problem, um, it, she would focus on it and solve it. And and there was numerous different problems that arose. That, I mean, from really simple things like um, we had a problem in in the smokeween where most of the organic tree fruits is produced. The soils are very basic with a lot of um, high pHs and things, and 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 therefore the nutrients aren't properly transferred to the plant because the pH is the wrong pH. And and you know she went about and found sulfur that had been that had uh, from trips from uh, train derailments organized to have it property clean so that would meet organic standards and then shipped here and and there's probably 2500 tons of sulfur that was brought into the valley back in the early 90s and every organic grower at that time put it on according to what was needed you know that was just one project that she spent a summer on and everybody benefited because it was a problem for the people in the Fraser Valley where it was spilt. And so the organic growers got it basically for very little and um, solved a problem that carries on today, 20 years later, 25 years later. Um, and then and, and just introductory new insects that are occurring with, you know, the, um, um, the spotted wing Drosophila fruit fly turned up. And it was devastating for for um, nectarines and peaches, and and she went to work and figured out how to 
how to solve it, how to how to store the fruit before at a certain temperature to make sure the the eggs and the larvae that were buried in the fruit would be killed before they were shipped off to market and and you know just whenever there was a problem she would figure out how to find the money and then also to do the research and then find some usually master student or graduate student to do the work to come to a conclusion and and uh, there's probably a half a dozen projects it's more than a half a dozen projects that she were ha, sort of was involved in and did the infrastructural work to allow them to happen it sounds like she had a lot of tenacity and ingenuity yep yeah well brian is there um is there anything else you want to say about linda before we say goodbye she was a type of person that was very passionate and and she just had a a passion for when she pursued something she took it very passionately and and um she, how she how we ended up focusing on organics is hard to know but it, it it was it's been good for us it's been good for our community and a whole and she thrived on the community that benefited from it uh, you know we have 35 to 40 organic growers in our valley that are all doing economically very well they they they've got a system in place that is productive and um, an infrastructure that allows them to be very successful farmers and and um, that, that's I think that she got her personal sense of satisfaction from that well, Brian, listen, again, I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. I really appreciate you getting on the phone to talk a little bit about Linda. And um, hopefully this, this episode can help people who didn't know about Linda's work learn a bit about it. And the rest of us, just to, just a, one more way to, to remember her, her legacy and her contributions. Thanks. Well, thank you for, for doing it. Okay, I met Linda first in the mid-'80s. Um, I had been contracting with Sue Haley, who was the first crop management consultant in the area, and Linda was doing a practicum of sorts uh, during her master's degree. And the following year, Sue retired and Linda set up her business. So I contracted with her and uh, she began monitoring my orchard and giving me advice. And then a, a year or two later, she offered me a job uh, helping her to monitor orchards. Where I really kind of focused in on on got to know her and, and got to know what she was all about was um, at the revision of the organic standards process. And there's a technical committee made up of uh, organic stakeholders. She was involved with that some many of the times that I was also involved with it. We sat on committees together. I l- learned to know her in that kind of capacity, probably most mostly. And uh, but once you make a connection, you know, with a person like Linda, you uh, you you got a friend for life, you know. And uh, I've actually gone to visit her farm uh, when I've been in that area, and uh, we've we've sort of stayed in touch over the years. I got to know Linda um, by taking a research contract with her in 2011, studying. Uh, rosy apple aphids in organic apple orchards. 
And I came down for an interview and I worked with her that season. During that season, she gave me a lot of mentorship and made me realize that there was a possibility for me to start my own business, kind of taking over from what she was doing, doing horticultural advising and entomology research for the local tree fruit industry. But I didn't have my driver's license at the time. And I, she, I'd worked with a bunch of people that she had known. So she decided to take a chance on me and her and Brian got a scooter for me to use instead of a car that first year. Um, and she's done that with so many other other people too. Just just the generosity of her knowledge and her home and her you know her dinner table. Um, I knew Brian because of um, he was an organic grower and he was um, pretty active politically in the COABC. At some point, he brought Linda to a meeting, a board meeting, to introduce her because. Um, well, she had a lot of expertise, and she could be helpful to the organization, and that's when I first met her. She was uh, a scientist, and she was always a scientist like that. Um, that was my impression of her. She was uh, um, astute and uh, always kind of um, thinking, you know. And um, and very and caring too. Um, she uh, she had this uh, this kind of a a thing that a, a mother has, you know, where they just have this natural sort of caring part of her. Well, when I met her, um, she had gone back to school to do an entomology master's. Um, her bachelor's was a degree in social work, I think, and she uh, worked in social work in Vancouver and I believe a little bit in Kelowna. Um, so she didn't have a lot of uh, orchard experience. I believe she grew up on a farm in uh, Saskatchewan, so she was comfortable with farming. But most of uh, her knowledge that she applied in her job, I think she she learned it, uh, both in the field and uh, you know in school. I can't think of anyone who had a better sense of pest management and crop management in general uh, over a broad range of um, commodities, you know, raspberries, vegetables, strawberries, pears, apples, the whole works. Um, and n- not only entomology, not just the bugs she, she got so that she knew all about nutrition and all kinds of things. Linda is a, you know, was an expert on orchards right and uh, and fruits fruit tree orchards and so she was the go-to person for anything when it came to that and you know when that's that's one aspect that's very important when you're dealing with standards reviews you know somebody has to be there that really understands the that particular aspect of agriculture and the the more important thing is finding somebody who has that in combination with a real strong understanding of the organic principles. And that's where Linda, you know, really contributed by her her knowledge in both the areas. And so she was sort of bridging the gap between those two worlds. And, and that was really, really important and very impressive always to know 
how deeply she thought about issues. Um, and she also was in, involved with when things may be going in the wrong direction sometimes, you know, as, as, as systems evolve like organic and there's, um, you know, government, uh, national organic standards that are, you know, are uh, involved in the system. It's always a chance that some things will start to uh, get off track a little bit. And she would always be the one to point out when there was any risk of that and to help us pull back back on track. And uh, I mean, when we compare Canada with the U.S., I think we've avoided in Canada largely going off track on, on the on standards issues. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's people like Linda has been important in, in making sure that we understand the issues and, and address them before they get out of hand. She worked uh, initially within the conventional industry. There wasn't much of an organic industry. I think it was back in the 80s when she started. Um, but she really, even within the conventional industry, she did a ton of work uh, to get people to re- reduce their use of insecticides and pesticides. She really um, got growers to look at things scientifically uh, in a way and question what was going on in their orchards, I think. She was uh, somebody who really got the organic tree fruit industry going in a large way in the province as well. Um, She did a lot of research that has contributed to how orchards are managed now. She uh, also provided a lot of mentorship to a lot of uh, young people working in the industry, uh, in entomology in particular, and a lot of young, a lot of young women. She, you know, mentored a lot of people, helped a lot of people launch their careers, uh, and was always has always been available to anybody who was looking for information and advice. Well, when I worked for her, most of her clients were conventional farmers. And, you know, when we would talk uh, over coffee while we were out in the field, I, I kind of, uh, I knew that she had a, a love for organic farming and wanted, uh, you know, would, would have been happy if everybody farmed that way. And when I would talk to her about sort of working with uh, the dark side, um, she said, you know, anything I can do to help people make better decisions and to use pesticides more um, efficiently uh, only use them when they had to, all those kinds of things that IPM was based on, um, she was willing to do. And I think in the process of working for those people, she developed really good friendships with many um, farmers. Like it was personal for her. She wanted them to succeed. We did have conversations about, um, you know, transitioning more farmers into organic and how we could help help that. And she was very clear about welcoming anybody to to transition into organic and even even learning about agriculture for the first time kind of thing. And she often talked about, you know, the various people in her communities, in the community that she lives and, uh, and that she knew of elsewhere, where people were trialing out different systems and, uh, you know, looking closely at different cultures and the way they approached agriculture, uh, you know, where families live 
more together and the whole family is involved in the farming um the economics of of getting started in farming and and that kind of stuff so you know she had a very deep interest in the cultural aspects of farming and the effects of organic farming can have on culture preserving culture and uh, and and being economically viable for families the the biggest thing is her advocacy because not only was she like uh, a researcher and she and and uh, on the ground like consultant that really helped people and uh, and wrote books but day to day she advocated on behalf of organic uh, the organic sector and not just the fruit she was on the um, uh, pyramid test management review agency a federal uh, thing for uh, many years advocating for minor use uh, permits for uh, organic uh, products. It was difficult to get permission to be, because Canada is such a small market that uh, the, organized, the um, manufacturers wouldn't go to a lot of trouble to get permission in Canada, and Linda would advocate for the use of a lot of these products, organic uh, insecticides, uh, basically. And... Um, uh, she, well, she was president of the COABC for, you know, I can't remember how many years, you know, and so, but uh, uh, she was, that's my, you know, strongest memory is her, is her being an advocate. A lot of her research wasn't the kind that you would find at the Summerland Experimental Station where they take away all the variables and focus in on one particular question or one aspect of a bug and then find out everything about it and, you know, you put it all together, and after 20 years, you understand what's going on. Uh, Linda realized that her customers, her clients, couldn't wait for that kind of stuff. So she did her research, putting everything all together at the same time. So one of the, the things that I really remember uh, her having a significant impact on was the uh, dealing with pears, with mites and parasilla and codling moth and all of those. And she was looking at them all at the same time so that she would make recommendations to people to make sure that what they were doing for mites wasn't hurting the predators who would go after uh, parasilla and what they were doing for codling moth wasn't affecting the uh, predators of mites and those kinds of things. And as I recall, it was about the time I was working for her that she came up with a new regime for looking after pests in pears. And um, it wasn't all pear growers who bought into it, but a significant number did. And, and many people had credited her with uh, figuring that out. And she did that in the field as she went along. I would call Linda a passionate person and certainly very intense in terms of uh, engagement. You know, if you if you had a conversation with Linda she, on a, on any topic, she would want to go all the way uh, in, on that topic with you, and so there was no sort of half measures or, or anything like that. So, and she was also a very good listener, and would uh, really uh, give everybody, I think, or certainly for me, that was my experience, to uh, feel like she really listened and understood or tried to understand what my perspectives were. And, um, and, you know, that's that's a great skill, especially when you have uh, contentious issues that you have to deal with. 
uh, I think that's probably one of the things that makes it successful uh, to collaborate in those ways and uh, and show that you have an understanding and caring about what other people think. And sometimes that can really, really help overcome, you know, tough issues that need to be solved. Um, on a personal level, um, she she had some health issues and uh, my mother went through some health issues. This was a few years ago now. And I happened to mention that to her one time and it was a sort of a very rare medical condition. And um, and so both my mother and Linda had the same condition. Um, and of course, my mother is in Norway, so far away, but she always asked questions about it. And so I shared with her, you know, visiting my mom in the hospital and, and things like that <clears throat> and being worried, of course, about her her uh, health. And Linda always listened and and always, you know, in subsequent calls, that would be one of the things she would always bring up and say, oh, how's your mom doing? You know, and, and, re- and really caring about it, not just sort of flippantly asking, how are you doing? But really um, following up on that conversation. So it, you know, it was easy to feel like I had a very deep connection with Linda, um, even though it probably wasn't very frequent, but, you know, certainly somebody that left a deep impression she did have a reputation because she didn't suffer fools, you know. She was she was tough, and and she had to be tough because, you know. And I heard some of the stories about you know, um, being a woman in in uh, agriculture and in science, you know. Like uh, it, it was a uh, there was a lot of prejudice, and she really had to you know she had to overcome that. Well, you know, when we were um, traveling around. Um, many of these farmers had kids. Uh, Linda was the kind who always had time to stop and talk to the kids and explain things to them. And I think, uh, you know, part of her would have loved to have been a teacher because um, she just saw a great opportunity to make sure those kids uh, didn't have this uh, creepy crawly view of insects. She wanted them to realize that insects were fascinating creatures and uh, that it was interesting to look at them and all that, uh, you know, learn how they operated and how it impacted everything that we do. The thing um, that I remember most about working for Linda is we would uh, drive to an orchard in her little 4x4 Suzuki and we would separate and go off into the, uh, the different blocks and do counts of bugs and mites and all those kinds of things. And then we would come back and sit in the Suzuki and uh, she would write up the report that she was leaving for the the grower. And um, the thing I remember most that I've taken away from it was that uh, once we got all our data together and she was coming up with a recommendation, she was always driven by this credo that she had, that she would always ask herself, if we do this, what else will happen? And that uh, drove home for me how everything in the orchard is interrelated and you can't tackle one thing without thinking about what that process that you're bringing into the orchard will do to everything else. So I, I took that and it certainly served me well when I was farming, but it serves me well in everything I do. Every time I make a decision, I think, you know, if I do this, what else is going to happen? I am, I miss her. I'm going to miss her. And um, I know many other 
people are. And I hope that I'm able to continue a lot of the work that she had done and the work we've done together in a way that continues to make a difference to the growers that we work with.